welcome back to another episode of Flipping Founders. My name is Kushi Sethi and I'm really excited for you all to see the next episode. I hope you find it helpful. Enjoy the show. So today I have with me a member of Third Quadrant Design that is the world's first student-led team to design and build a net zero academic space on campus. It has also won the US, Deca- US, design- yeah. US Department of Energy Solar Decathlon Challenge in 2020 and 2021. Welcome to Flipping Founders Fan. I'm so excited to have you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. awesome. And then do you want to start by telling a bit about your background? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Ben, um, and I'm a fifth year solder student specializing in real estate. Um, Pretty cool, Casada has a special real estate program. I think it's one of the best that offers it in Canada. Big misconception that we all want to be brokers and like kind of work in that field, but um, a lot of us kind of transitioned to like the development field. So I did two summers in development, um, one in acquisitions, and then one just kind of general market research. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then now I am the president of the UBC Real Estate Club, which is awesome. And then one of the execs on the US, I guess, the third quadrant design project. So managing more of the finance and kind of the outreach side as well. Yeah, and then um, what is Third Quadrant Design all about, and especially like the significance of the name? Okay, big question. Yeah, so um, Third Quadrant Design, I guess how the name originated was, if you look at a carbon energy coordinate plane, it's tough to explain without like showing the actual visual, but um, if you look down the plane, um, it's a, it essentially shows um, carbon positive and carbon energy positive, and the whole point of Third Quadrant Design was to be below... Um, carbon, like carbon zero, and then also mm-hmm. zero um, energy usage. Obviously, that's just a far dream because it's hard to be able to actually get down to those metrics. But um, the whole goal and like all our design principles are associated with being low in embodied carbon and low in uh, operational carbon. So low energy usage and then also low carbon intensive uh, intensive use. Um, so that's kind of how the name originated, and then also. Um, how the team kind of founded and like how we got into like the position that we're at right now. It was founded in 2019, three female engineers. One really cool thing is that um, every year since inception, we've been a majority female-led and kind of female-identifying, which is really rare for any kind of engineering design teams on campus, especially at UBC. Uh, engineering is primarily, I guess... A male-dominated... Yeah, by a significant margin, probably about 60-40 or even, even more than that. Um, so it's pretty awesome that we get to represent that. Um, but yeah, so started in 2019. Uh, main goal was to be able to compete in the US Solar design competitions. The US Solar is a big energy competition where I think probably about 30 to 40 teams from around the world come compete. Um, and typically it's just a year process where they give you kind of a criteria, mm-hmm. you design the building, and then you do a presentation. Um, so we did that two years in a row. We won in our first year ever competing. Um, that was in the, the single family division. Um, and then we, with that, we went to next year, and then we won the you, the multi mixed use multifamily division, which is I guess a step up from the, the single family. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. Yeah. And um, you know, like tell me about the process from like kind of founding your team mm-hmm. like, like in twenty nineteen, and now like the building that we are about to see For on sure. campus. Yeah. So I've only been on the team. So I, I joined about a year and a half ago. Um, kind of. Uh, when the build part started, I wasn't here for the design aspects because they didn't really need any kind of finance or outreach help at that time just because um, those were design components and 
didn't really, I don't know. It's, yeah, I think it, they're figuring out the yeah, details, like exactly. which construction materials to even use, because yeah. a lot of, like, companies are trying to teach that. So whatever, like, the professionals are trying to do, like, that was done by students. I'm sure, like, yeah. it was a lot of research. Yeah, so the design, so to get into the build stage, um, we still have to prove ourselves. So the two design competitions kind of moved us into the build category because there's a big differentiating between the design competitions and then the design build competitions mm -hmm. because any any team effectively can go put a team together and design a building but it's a whole other ball game to design and then build what you actually mm -hmm. design so we had to prove ourselves i guess the winning two years in a row um in an international stage was i guess enough um it was enough it, it, it was more than enough, yeah. especially the U.S. U.S. is really competitive. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's international, so we have, I think, there's teams from different Scandinavian countries that compete. There's oh. teams from India, uh, different Asian countries. It's it's a huge competition. I think we're competing in a pool of about 35 different universities from around the world. Um, so and top universities. Top, yeah, I mean, we beat out Berkeley. Um, I think Yale was competing one year. I think Harvard competed one year. So it's it's a big multi-scale um, project and kind of competition. So it's a pretty big accomplishment, especially in the first two years of inception, which is kind of wild. Um, so with those wins, the team, I guess the team, like the the main captain team, um, used that went to the university and was like, we want to be able to compete in the design competition. Mm -hmm. um, and it took a lot of conversations and convincing to be able to actually get to the stage that we are right now. Um, so, long story short, they said yes, um, and then I guess in 2021, November, we got our site secured, and then since then we've been designing specifically for that site, and then designing the building until we competed last April, um, and then we got approved to continue, continue to the build stage. So now we are in the build stage, we started construction about mid-July, uh -huh. um, that's when all of our, like I guess, permits and development permits were submitted, uh, and since then we've been, we've been building. So right now we're about... Uh, probably a little under halfway, or a little over halfway to the project. Um, a full shape's there, like an yeah. actual building is on site right now. If you go take a look, it's just down behind. And where the, is it? Like yeah, exact location? Right behind the, I think, not the Earth, but is it the um, Material Science Building okay. on campus? So six three six six three six three Biological Sciences Road is mm -hmm. that is is our actual address, which is cool. Like we have our own physical address, which is. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's like a big thing because like this was led by students. It's not like big developers who are actually building yeah. this, and it's net zero. Yeah, we're so we're the only student team I think ever in history to be able to build for their own institution. And when we're done with the building, it's going to be transitioned to applied science. Mm -hmm. um, and then when that conversion happens, then it turns. Hopefully, the programming and kind of conversations around that are still quite early, so we don't know exactly what it's going to be, be used for in the future, exactly. Um, but our hope right now is that it's going to be used for a classroom. Like, probably one class or two classes a week will be held there. Um, collaboration space, and then also living lab. So a living lab is, um, the building was designed with this in mind, where a team can come in if there's, uh, we, right now we don't have a cooling system incorporated to the building, but if a team wants to go in the future and build a cooling system, they can. They can go um, build and design a cooling system for the building and then maybe write research papers on that and kind of design. Um, and it, it's almost used as like a test bed for just okay. like future innovations around green building technology. No, I think that's amazing. Yeah, so multi-purpose use. It's not multi just like one, one use. And uh, to touch on like the net zero aspect, it's what's interesting is that I guess um, when people say net zero, you think like, oh, this building is green and it's net zero. But that's not really true because 
net zero in most common use terms is operational carbon. So operational mm -hmm. carbon is essentially all the energy that uses that goes into heating, cooling, and any kind of usages within the space. Um, so that's operational carbon, and most people try to strive for that. What we're striving for is um, embodied carbon. Mm -hmm. So the actual building itself, like the construction materials used, the pro the way it's designed, and like so the building as a whole is low in embodied carbon. Embodied carbon is so think about embodied carbon as in like everything that you use and see is has carbon that's gone into the process of mm -hmm. it. So uh, mining to the refinement to the manufacturing of everything you use and touch is used through carbon. So the main goal of what we've been doing is to try to find materials that are low in carbon intensive materials. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's done through wood and then any kind of like right now we're using hempcrete, which is a special insulation that actually sequesters carbon out of the atmosphere, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, just finding any kind of designs or uh, manufacture or I guess materials that are just really low in operational carbon is or yeah. embodied carbon, which is the really that's a big goal of it. Yeah, and then when um, before going on to the build stage to get the approvals and the permits, mm -hmm. what was that like? Were the were there like companies supporting you from time to time, mm -hmm. UBC's role in that? Yeah, so to get everything to the to the build stage right now, um, we've had a huge amount of support, like huge industry support. Um, right now, Dialogue is our architect. They are like everything is designed by students and in-house designed by students, but obviously we don't have the approvals to stamp drawings for an official building so we're working with our partners so dialogue is our architect who just like signs off on a lot of drawings um we have rd uh, rdh rjc um, integral a bunch of um, engineering companies that sign off on different components of the drawings so they've been huge helps plus they've been there for consultation and kind of any feedback mm -hmm. along the design process so they've been big for that and then also just our in kind or in kind and our monetary sponsors um, I think we've raised about one point, I think even more now, about $1.4 million over the past nine months. So that's been a kind of a big part of my team's role over the past little bit. Uh -huh. um, and then just like UBC, um, the D Department of Alumni Engagement, they're, they've been helping us kind of fundraise as well. So big fundraising uh, tasks that were, I guess we're near the end of fundraising now, uh -huh. but that process before was a huge task. Um, so yeah, we could we we would not be able to do it without our industry sponsors. So that's um, that's been the biggest way that we've actually been able to do this. Plus, we have some pretty big names on board, like Leadcore, for example. They're our um, general contractor, um, and I don't think we would be able to actually construct and like be able where we are without their yeah. support because UBC wouldn't want to sign off on a building without a big name on board. So, uh -huh. um, so you had to convince those companies, those different engineering. Yeah. construction and even like for architecture so for everything you had to consult all these companies get them on board yeah and then <laughs> so we, we had to get them on board before we got UBC on board essentially like we were given a site but we weren't mm -hmm. gonna build anything until we had all these names on board and yeah. a design that they were happy with um, and it was funny because before we could actually construct or design or I don't know it was it was a weird process because um, we didn't have a design lockdown, so mm -hmm. the consultants didn't really know what they were going to be helping with. So we had to convince them to help us before they actually knew what they were going to be helping us with. So it was. A, how, how did you do that? Um, you were on the we, outreach team. Yeah, I a, a little bit. I mean, we had, we, had, we had some good support and like relationships beforehand, and we had a lot of students that were working with those companies before. So the biggest mm -hmm. thing was just like going back and trying to explain what we're trying to do and 
Um, we were pretty sure it was going to happen, but there was a lot of points along the process where things could have failed. Like we ran into some issues early last year where it was like some contract issues and UBC lawyers weren't super happy. Um, but there's processes along the way that the project almost failed, but we convinced them that the project would go ahead and we just used that momentum to keep everything going. So it was, yeah, there's just a lot of convincing and kind of storytelling and explaining what this project's going to be used for in the yeah. future and how them supporting this can be able to, I don't know, use that in the future. Yeah, and like, what was that initial reaction when you first told them about this um, plan? Like, actually, overwhelming support. Like, because oh. we, we've done a lot of pitches and just a lot of presentations to different companies and explaining our mission and what we've been wanting to do over the past little bit. So we have a lot of kind of presentation experience now and explaining like values and like what we want to do. Um, so when we explained what we were trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish here, there was a big overwhelming support. Obviously, they had some questions. <laughs> They're yeah. a little skeptical on some things, but um, probably nine times out of ten, the companies were like, "Yeah, sure, we'll do it. We'll support and we want to be involved and help you guys out." Because at the end of the day, we're still a student team, mm -hmm. right? If uh, a big company tried to come in and do this, they probably wouldn't nearly have the same support that we did. Um, yeah. So yeah, and everyone wants to see students succeed, especially in this kind of space. So yeah, it's been it's been really really good. Yeah. yeah, and um, how did you make sure that like net zero was achieved? Because as you explained that everyone's strategies were operational, then yeah. how did you all make sure? And you know, it's like a student team, so you're still studying. That's a so, yeah. That's a that's a work in progress. So <laughs> right. So we we like yeah. I mean, right now we're still refining what that's actually going to look like. Um, we because there's no way to actually know until you've done the building and you can actually like you can calculate it on that side. Um, but uh, to minimize any carbon usage, we have designed really light. Um, the, like, the engineering team is very smart, so they've done all their calculations already on what each material um, uses in terms of the carbon output. Um, so they've calculated all that already. And then to be able to, I guess, bring back and sequester some of the carbon, we're using hempcrete, which is um, our sound or I guess our full insulation for the building. And that's hemp herd with a mix of lime binder. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a chemical process or I guess chemical reaction that happens between the two materials. Um, so over its lifetime, that actually pulls carbon out of the, the atmosphere. So that is essentially helping to offset any kind of carbon emissions that is caused by, caused by the building. Obviously, we that only works to a certain extent. So we have to design the building to be light in carbon usage, but that definitely helps kind of offset any use. Plus, our landscaping um, will help kind of sequester some carbon over its lifetime. A, a little bit, like a, a pretty small amount, but anything kind of helps at this point. Yeah. yeah. No, and um, I think... Okay. And I think what has been the biggest challenge DQD has faced, I think the whole thing was probably a big challenge, but yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges where you thought that, okay, like, we're going to fail. Um, that's a good question. I, I would probably say when we ran to the contract issue in December. So essentially what UBC was trying to um, do was they want to protect their liability and they don't want to have um, a project on campus that they could potentially get in trouble, not in trouble for, but like... Suffer um, the loss. Yeah, or like sued or like if something happens. So like how do they cover themselves? So essentially what they were doing was they were giving us contracts that per would pertain to like $30 million projects. And we're not a $30 million project, so a lot of them, like a lot of the, the points in that contract just didn't make sense for us. And it wouldn't work for us because they were mm -hmm. just, it was 
way too expensive and a lot of the agreements we had with our partners were informal at this point. Yeah. Um, and UBC didn't like that either because there's no there's nothing in writing and there's no liability attached to anyone. So that there was a point where probably about it was a three to it was probably about a month where we weren't sure if the project was gonna go ahead. So being able to push past that was was a big one. Um, so that was one challenge and then another big challenge was probably um, getting all of our permits mm -hmm. submitted and kind of in place. We were at a point over the summer where um, obviously like students kind of drop off over the summer because they get summer internships or yeah. they just go travel. Or, um, so student retention was a tough one for us this summer. Like all, all our team leads stayed on, but a lot of our members, our team's about 70 students. Um, so it went from 70 students to probably about less than 18. Over and you had to like go to the construction site as well to make sure. Yeah, so the the biggest thing was just getting the permits in because we had to get our, all those permit applications because the each day that we were late on our permits, the construction would be delayed. And we have a really strict timeline where um, the competition states that the project has to be done by the end of March. So they can start judging and then you fly out to Colorado in end of April to present and explain all the, the findings that they've got. So that was a big thing right. for us that if the permits were delayed, then everything else is delayed. So, and then the permits were being delayed because all the students were gone, and and we were all busy with jobs. Like we all had internships over the summer, so yeah. being able to balance, um, like I remember, I didn't really have much of a summer because it was that plus the real estate club that we were working on. We were doing a whole rebrand for that. Um, I wasn't in charge of all the the permitting, but I was in charge mm -hmm. for the sponsorship and. Um, the f the finance side of it. Mm -hmm. So I just remember, be like, you get home from work, then you'd sit at your laptop for a few hours, have some meetings, and it would just be like work, and then you'd work on TQD or whatever else you had to do. So yeah. it was just like, yeah, it was just a, it was just a big grind to get the the permitting set uh, set done, especially for the engineering teams. Like that was massive, and there were some issues with the, some of the designs that came back. Mm -hmm. um, so ultimately, we just had to work close with our consultants and be able to push through that. But I mean, it was a two month period where it was just a lot of work. It was a lot of work to try to get this done. Um, but we have, and we've gotten past that. Yeah, and then when does the building get ready? Wow, so <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, right if now... If everything goes to if plan. If everything goes to plan, um, we are hoping to open doors for the competition's judging mm -hmm. by, I think our current timeline is March 23rd. But that might change, um, but that's our hope. And it's kind of a it's kind of a strong hope because if we can't get it done, then yeah, I don't know. Judging is an interesting question. So I, no, but March twenty fifth is when when it'll be done. Um, and then when that happens, it gets judged for a month, and then applied science comes in, and then they retrofit the space to fit their needs for kind of classroom space or anything that they want to do. But programming's still up in the air, so we have to figure out what that's going to look like. But ah, no, that's that sounds a lot of work, but it's. It's so good. Like yeah. it's it's really impressive. I think when I first got to know about third quadrant design, I I was shocked. And I was like, wow, like this is this is amazing. Well, it's cool because this is the first time like I in love the world, project. like yeah. in the world, like student this thing. S students have designed, and I guess we're partly building it. Like we like we say that we're building it, but like we come in to do like some of the easy light work, like filling in, like mixing the hempcrete and pouring in the hempcrete, or just like organizing on site. But um, the student was like the building was designed by students. And it's not just a building that was designed by students that will be opening for students. It's also, I think this might be the first of its kind for a bunch of different measures that we're coming up with. And um, so it's not just a first of its kind of a student space built by students. It's also, I don't know, probably one of the first zero to low embodied yeah. carbon buildings. 
probably one of the first institutional spaces to use hempcrete, like carbon sequestration within its insulation. I don't know, there's a whole bunch of things that we're, we're also kind of planning out how to market as well. So there's a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, and then what are some like other future plans of like TQD? The team? Yeah. yeah, are they planning to build more buildings? So it's funny because like we're, 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 we're actually in conversation with the team right now. Like what do we do? Because I'm graduating this year. Uh -huh. um, a lot of the execs are, like the rest of the execs are graduating this year as well. Um, so a big core function of this team is effectively leaving. So it's yeah. like, what do we do? Do we want to just disband it and be like, hey, we had a good three-year run. Do we just leave, like have this awesome legacy and then that's it? Or do we keep it going with all this knowledge that we've gained? And that's kind of what we're leaning towards now. Um, I guess we've always been leaning towards it. It was more of just like a, ah, screw it. Yeah. This is disband <laughs> because we did so well. But it's like, no, there's so much knowledge here and there's so much that we've learned, especially on the uh, engineering side. Like there's so much they've they've accomplished. So being able to, to knowledge transfer that to like next year's um, next year's team or mm -hmm. any kind of future teams is a big thing for us. So right now we're kind of in the stage of uh, knowledge transferring because right now the the build is kind of running itself. Like it's really just a finance, marketing, and construction thing at this point because everything's done designed essentially. Maybe there's a few kind of mock-ups that they have to do and um, a few changes here and there, but mm -hmm. for the most part it's done. Um, it's just getting this the thing actually built. Um, so right now we're kind of transitioning the team more towards like, hey, what do we want to do for next year? Maybe we'll do some small competitions to be able to kind of retune yeah. the new students. And I guess big goals would be like, it'd be cool if we can go and retrofit different buildings within UBC because mm -hmm. we have um, all this construction experience on campus already. So and it's UBC like, has the land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, can we maybe go into like older buildings on campus and retrofit them to like modern standards or even above modern standards? Um, can we become consultants for new projects that go into UBC? Can we? Um, I don't know because we. How can you keep the legacy and just like yeah. grow and grow? Exactly. Yeah. So just like keep the momentum going and like. Yeah, I don't know, we just learned so much. So being able to just spread that to the next year is kind of our biggest kind of, I guess that's a big team focus right now. Um, just like how do we make sure that this all doesn't go to waste mm -hmm. and just stay within that one building. We want to make it big, yeah, bigger. Yeah, build more buildings yeah. and kind of net zero as well. Yeah, I don't, know if, I don't know if UBC will want to build more buildings because we have hassled them quite a bit. It has been. I, I think I think if they're happy with yeah. it, then I think they'll just like encourage you more and more to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. We have put yeah. We've very very happy to have UBC as a partner in the school, um, but I don't know if they they want to do it again just because it was a lot of work, and <laughs> I think it was more than they maybe anticipated. So it'll be interesting. Maybe maybe honestly, there's no way we can say no. Yeah. Um, like we we don't know maybe they maybe they'll want to do something again and this has been great for publicity and um, just marketing in general so I don't know they 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 definitely are reaping benefits from it as well but it's also just been a lot of work for everyone so yeah and yeah. then um are there more buildings like this in Vancouver just like the same the kind of codes zero. no so it's interesting Vancouver wants to be their claim is what net zero by twenty thirty or new buildings have to be net zero by twenty thirty mm -hmm. um. And what they mean by that is, again, the operational carbon. Yeah. No one's talking about the embodied carbon. Um, and what's funny is that Vancouver has a rerun on, like, dam energy. Mm -hmm. So, with, like, 99 or 98.5 or something percent of all of our energy is technically net zero over a lifetime. Okay. So, f by them saying that we want to be um, operationally net zero, zero by 2030, 
it's like we're already pretty much there. So it's like how do we how do we cut down? And the big thing right now is passive house. Passive house is great, um, but technically it takes more carbon to build a passive house than a standard house. Mm -hmm. So um, our approach was if our energy usage is, is already technically net zero, then we should just focus on the building itself bringing that um, energy or the, the carbon usage or the carbon that goes into the manufacturing of the building as low as possible. And I think that's, um, that's, the, that's something that's important for Vancouver specifically. Mm -hmm. Other parts in the world, I agree that the operational is important because, I don't know, some places still run on coal, burning yeah. uh, fossil fuels, but for places with clean energy grids, it makes sense to just focus on the operational side of the building instead of the, or sorry, the embodied side of the building instead of the operational side. Mm -hmm. So that's that, that's something that is interesting over the next little bit. So we'll see how that, I guess, that plays out. But yeah. I don't know. It's. I'm yeah. a, I'm I know. Yeah. I think a lot of countries are now committing to, you know, reducing emissions to net zero by 2050. Yeah. So I think it would be interesting to see in like the next few years how a lot of countries do that, especially. Um, especially countries that really rely on it, like I know, like India, China. Yeah. There are a lot of carbon emissions, yeah. and that's a tough one. That that would be tough ones, but I think like Vancouver's location mm -hmm. is is pretty good. So I think. Yeah, we're we're geographically blessed to have yeah. so much hydroelectricity um, that it, it, it's easy for us mm -hmm. to to make these claims and to go this way. But yeah, for countries like. I don't know, India or any 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 country that's not like fully developed its like I guess energy grid to use yeah. um, renewable energies. That's 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 a long way to go because yeah. like how do you what do you do with like if you don't have dam electricity what do you do you, you build batteries batteries are expensive um, because solar and wind only run when there's wind and there's sun. So how do you store all this energy? So it's tough right now with the battery capacities to actually yeah. be able to to switch to grids that are renewable. So and, and also the investment money. that's required. Yeah. And yeah, huge. The huge investment huge required. Yeah. And so I think especially for like like India, I can say that it's the population is way too much. So they have like other things on mind, but it's yeah. also like where all does the money go? Like, do you yeah. want to invest in like green and like clean energy, or or do you invest in infrastructure and the yeah. people? And it's and then with yeah. infrastructure, with buildings, there are yeah. going to be more like carbon emissions. Yeah, there. exactly. So I think that's a that's a tough call. It's yeah. I don't have the answer to that one. Yeah. I, I'm not here for policy. Um, yeah, but and, no, um, I agree with that. And what do you think? Maybe um, the government or you know the organizations can do better, or where can they take initiative to reduce? emissions in GHZ by 2050? So companies and, yeah, I guess companies in general aren't going to do anything unless there's laws in place. Mm -hmm. So the only thing you can really do is have laws and checks and balances in place that reduce carbon emissions. Um, so the biggest thing is just being able to make policies around that that can influence what companies actually do and behave. Yeah. Um, and what's cool about what we're doing is that we're not influenced by profits. So we're able to do this kind of stuff and be able to bring our um, net zero or our, any kind of carbon emissions down because mm -hmm. we're not influenced by anything besides for let's build this cool building, you know? Yeah. Um, but companies are profit-focused, prof, profit which um, doesn't allow them to or it restricts them restricts them to do um, things like what we're doing. 
Um, so the only way to really do that or reduce any kind of emissions is through government kind of policies. Um, so I think Vanc what Vancouver is doing is pretty good for now, um, but I don't know. What, what would you like to what see more I? of? That's a good question. Especially like in the context of the building industry. Yeah. Um, what actually this is interesting. So what I really like right now is like mass timber and mass timber construction. So using CLT piles and mm -hmm. like um, like wo like big wooden members to be able to build construction or tall buildings with. Um, right now, Vancouver, or I guess some parts in Canada, only have a height restriction of, I can't remember, it's probably about 16 stories, I think, mm -hmm. that you can build in Mass Timber. Um, and that limits what developers do. That limits kind of what, um, because if a developer wants to build 38 stories, and you can't do that with Mass Timber, then they're just going to go to concrete. Concrete uses a lot more um, embodied carbon than Mass Timber does, because trees are essentially vacuums, so no. sucking in the carbon. Obviously, they're not, like, mass timber, whoever claims mass timber is net zero is just wrong, because um, to heat treat and to laminate all the wood together and um, put, like, um, put these big pieces of mm -hmm. wood together obviously still uses carbon. Um, so there's no way that that can be net zero, but it's significantly less than concrete. So I think they should be raising the, the minimum heights of these new mass timber buildings to whatever developers find fit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's testing and there's um, safety that has to go behind that and like just backing it. Um, but I think that's the next step. And I think they're already kind of working towards that. But that's the next kind of progression of what we can do within the building industry to reduce carbon emissions. Because concrete is probably one of the largest emissions globally. Yeah. Um, so that's that's just a step, and if we do it in Vancouver, and we can test it and we can prove it actually works. Then other places around the world will will be able to follow suit. So, and Vancouver is uh, like a test bed, like a hub for kind of green building in general, because mm -hmm. we have some more, I guess, we have some of the strictest kind of laws around that. Um, so that's yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, and do you think the Canadian economy in general is shifting towards green industry? I think well. I think just in general, I think consumers are being a little more aware yeah. with um, kind of where they're buying from and like what companies are conscious of, mm -hmm. I guess, the, the environment in general. Um, so yeah, I would say just generally, I think consumers are, consumers push companies to influence or to, to do things. Like a company isn't going to, I mean, you can argue that, that's, that's definitely an argument that maybe, maybe companies will uh, influence their behaviors just on their own independent thoughts, but mm -hmm. it's usually a consumer push. So when consumers want something, then they change they their habits. Increase the demand. Yeah, exactly. So that's that, that's something. Like if you want something to change, then be the voice of change. I guess is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, there 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 is a shifting sentiment for sure. And what's interesting is that um, I guess I don't know, kind of a bit of a tangent here, but like mm -hmm. um, companies that claim net zero but use carbon offsets to, to get to that level. Yeah. Carbon offsets are I I per, um, there's an argument and there's no there's, there's, it's well, interesting that's debate. That's but carbon offsets are no they don't work. Because mm -hmm. what essentially what a carbon offset is is like if you pay money then they are like in ex in exchange for money they're reducing your carbon emissions. But if you look at what carbon most carbon offsets do, it there's their, their forest protection. So what a company will do, like a carbon offset company will do, they'll go in, they'll purchase a section of forest that mm -hmm. they, they deem won't get logged, 
and then they section that off and they calculate how much carbon is in that certain area that they've saved essentially and then they sell those credits to big companies but what's funny is that the forests that they're protecting already were kind of protected in most cases and they're always um, they always overestimate how much carbon they're actually saving by not cutting the trees down compared yeah. to like what uh, a normal audit would go in and, and double check with so that's that's an interesting thing carbon offsets don't actually work and the only way to um, have proper carbon offsets is if you're paying companies to actually physically suck carbon out of the atmosphere mm -hmm. which is very expensive because it uses a lot of energy um, so it's easy just for companies to go and kind of blanket or hide yeah. behind like a little oh yeah we're we're a green company because we're um, saving forests, but like it's just that's not. This is like greenwashing. It's that yeah, fine. yeah, it's really greenwashing. Like that's proper greenwashing. So the, the only way to do it is to actually sequester and suck carbon out of the atmosphere. But no you one wants to do it. Use the expensive. Equipment. Yeah, but no one wants to do that because it's really expensive. But what I've seen kind of there's a small trend. It's it's growing, but it's still very small. Mm -hmm. um, buildings will actually have like a carbon sequestration box. Okay. on their building, so it uses more energy, but it's like actively kind of sucking carbon out of the atmosphere, which is really cool. So there's actual stations that do that, like they'll, they have scrubbers that um, just pull carbon from the atmosphere, so mm -hmm. it offsets any kind of emissions that um, were used in the building, or any kind of, or I guess companies and factories are doing that as well, but still very rare, because it's really expensive. Really expensive. The equipment's expensive, and the energy use is, is pretty intense, so. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I explained that well, because no, it's, no, it's that a pretty in-depth topic, but yeah. No, and then argument. what are some of your future plans? What do I want to do? Yeah. Um, you had your last class today. <laughs> yeah, my last class, yeah, that's true, my last class was today. Uh, last in-person class, I've got it next semester, <laughs> but two online async classes. So, I don't know, my next term goal, ski as much as I can. I want to be in Whistler and just, I don't know, ski bum it for a few months. That's my goal. Um, but. In September, like when it comes time to getting a job, I really would like to work in the development industry, mm -hmm. um, acquisitions in specific. So that's the process of kind of finding deals and then assessing the deals if they work for the company and just uh, figuring out what you can build on that plot of land. So, yeah, my main goal is to find that. Right now, interest, or I guess as of today, interest rates went up another 50, bi uh, 50 basis points. Yeah, 4.25, I read. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not very good for my job hunt in specific because... Um, Development is, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's related to like the market. Interest rates yeah. The market. So like, if the market's not doing well, then there's no jobs. Um, but I don't know. I think I'll be able to find something. It's just it's not gonna be very easy to find a job right now. But I don't know. I think I'm in a decent position to be able to. Yeah, I think you're in a more than decent position. Hopefully, we'll to see. find a job that you want, like yeah, one that you yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I'd, I'd I'd like to find something. It, it'd be nice to set something up soon because. It'd be nice to travel a little bit over mm -hmm. the summer a as well. Trip. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, but if I have to do an inter internship over the summer, then that's fine as well. So I don't know, kind of whatever whatever comes across my my plate now. Um, but over the next few months, I'll be kind of looking for a job. So if anyone's looking, I am uh, looking yes. for a job, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, what has been your biggest learning from your experience? Maybe like from work and TQD together. Yeah. Um, so. School does a really good job of kind of teaching hard skills and teaching, um, like, specific, yeah, I guess specific skills in general. So that's one thing school does, but it's hard to kind of develop your soft skills and um, kind of informal skills. So being part of the clubs and kind of the positions that I've had, 
um, has really kind of influenced how, I don't know, maybe how I public speak or um, how I write emails or how I just encounter people. And mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that's probably the biggest learning outcome is just like helping to de develop my soft skills. Like, um, be able to, like communication skills is a big one that I've been able to kind of learn because I've done so many pr different presentations now. I've had to go and talk to so many people and just like, it's a lot of communication with kind of what I do, especially the coordination part, because mm -hmm. I just do a lot of coordinating. So being clear and kind of explaining what is on my mind and how to properly articulate that has probably been kind of the biggest takeaway from, I guess, over the past few years of just being part of these clubs and participating at the level that I've been. Um, yeah, soft skills. Because school skills. teaches you a lot of hard skills, but it's not until you kind of get out there and kind of work a little bit that mm -hmm. you are able to develop more soft skills. And I guess Solder does a pretty good job because there's so many group projects and a lot yeah. of collaboration, which is, I personally like. I like more of a group setting. Um, so are you a team player? Or? Oh, for sure. I mean, I've been I've been part of team sports my whole life as well. Okay. Like, I've been, I was on, I've been on the rowing team, or I was on the rowing team for about seven years through high school and then a little bit at UBC. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a huge team sport. Like, if one person doesn't show up for the morning, then the boat doesn't go out kind of thing. So I've always been part of team sports and just like team activities. So I love... And do you like to bring that team spread, you know, like lifting everybody up, that like oh, we all yeah. rise together in yeah. your work as well? Yeah, hundred percent. And I like, I, I don't, I don't like official roles. Like you, you have to give official roles to be able to kind of set tasks and what you want to mm -hmm. do. But I almost like when there's like, I like the flat hierarchy system where yeah. we kind of all go up together. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily work all the time. Um, but I don't like to differentiate, and I try to make sure everyone's equal and they get. Um, a similar experience out of it because I want to see us all do well at the same time. Like it's not like this isn't any one individual's project or any one individual's kind of um, roles or responsibilities. It's yeah. the group. So if something happens, it's a collective thing. Ultimately, if something happens, it kind of ends up on me a little bit. But yeah, I like to see everyone succeed at the same time. I don't want to see. Yeah, it's just yeah, definitely lead by example and lead mm -hmm. by um, kind of empathy a little bit just because I think leading by fear is the worst thing. Like, if, mm. you, if you ever see a company that um, has a bad culture and leads by fear, yeah. stay away. You never want to work for that kind of environment just because they always put you down and you never feel like you're, you're doing a good job. Um, but if people bring you up and kind of lift you up all the time, then I think that's, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, and then you also, I think when you're in a collaborative environment, you also learn from others. Oh. And I think that is like, that could be the small things, mm -hmm. but in the long run, when they add up, it, it really helps. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, being able to learn from other people, because there's so much that, like, just being able to sit in different meetings and kind of hear from other perspectives, that's huge. Like, no one no one person knows everything. Yeah. So there's always it's always valuable just to, to sit and listen. And I like to listen, too. I just, like, sure, sometimes I talk a lot, and I, I typically do talk a bit. <laughs> Um, but it's definitely good to, to sit and kind of absorb what other people have to say because there's always something you can learn. Like, we're always learning. So it's, it's, it's valuable just to, to sit and be quiet. Yeah, and what are kind of your favorite books, podcasts, YouTube channels? For sure. You really like? I'm, a, I'm a big construction nerd. Okay. I, love, um, I love construction. Um, I always said that if I didn't do business, I would have been civil engineering. I'm glad mm -hmm. I did business because I didn't want to be stuck with back my whole life. Yeah. Um, plus six courses at all. Plus six courses at course. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I'm definitely up with the business choice. But I love construction. So, anything about construction, there's a few YouTube channels that I really like to watch. Um, B1M is like a construction-focused mm -hmm. channel. 
Tomorrow's Build is a really interesting one. Um, any kind of engineering channels, I'm always there for. Um, yeah, really anything about construction, just like any kind of live updates with construction. I don't, I probably should read more. School kind of ruins yeah. reading, I find, you know. Yeah, no, it does. Right? It does. Yeah, so I don't know, I don't read a whole lot. I'll probably get more reading over the summer and maybe over the winter break, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. But t I don't typically listen to a lot of podcasts either. I like to, like, because I commute to school every day. Um, so I like to listen to, to music in the car. That's my, yeah. that's my way to unwind a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, any kind of construction um, videos. Are, this is so, oh, I love that. Okay. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, who inspires you? Like, who do you look up to? Who's your role mm. model? That's and interesting. Why? Hmm. Who's my role model? Usually people say, like, parents, but. Like, it's like usually people say, like, okay, parents, and then seconds, like, maybe like Elon Musk or somebody you really look up to. Yeah. So it all depends, like. Ah, I've never really thought about my role model. Um, really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if I have. Or maybe who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, hmm. That's a tough one. I don't know, I really <laughs> thought about that. Was this in the brief? No, I know. Yeah. Uh, who inspires you and why? Um, I mean, my parents, obviously. That's, that's always a special spot, but. I can't say my parents, and who else do I say? Um, hmm. It's okay, we can skip it. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I haven't really yeah, it's okay, we can skip it. Because sure. usually people, like, their first is things, like, like, they know, they know who to look up to. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have... That's really interesting. Well, because a lot of people have flaws, you know? I don't trust... Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, you don't, like, unless you know them, like, personally, and, like, yeah. when you know them personally, like, it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know, I've never really thought about that, just because, like, that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I've never thought about who I look up to. Because I don't know if I... I don't know. Look up to anyone? No, it's not. It's like, there's, there's so much... There's so many people that have done so much good in the world. Yeah. It's just like, I never really register it. Mm-hmm. It's just... I don't know. Sorry. No, that, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's really good. It's like, you're focused on your own, like... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... That's funny. Yeah, I think the last question is... If you could be remembered for one thing, what would you want it to be? Huh. Um, I mean, that's a good question. Personal, professional, yeah. mixed. Definitely not professional. I mean, like we all do good things, and I don't want to be known as someone that always spend their time in work and just like always, like obviously having the respect with kind of what we've been doing and especially the project is really cool. Um, but it's never about the recognition for me. It's always like, how can I be the best person possible? It's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not a part of any of this stuff because it's cool or like it's because it's, it makes my resume look good yeah. or anything like that. It's just because I truly want to do it. Um, so I guess if I want to be remembered, it's like, um, he was a kind person that I guess was kind of funny. I don't know. I, I usually <laughs> like to throw a little bit of humor into once in a while, but, um, always kind and, Selfless, I guess. That's the biggest thing. If I can, if I can remember by being selfless, I think that I did a good job. But I don't know. That's that's always something we can work towards. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming. Thank I you. wish you and Third Quadrant Design Team all the best for the future. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a check in when the building's done. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I'll, I I'll put in the link. Awesome. Good. Yeah, I appreciate yes. that. Thanks for the time. Hope you found this episode helpful. See you next Thursday.